lahu Damesh Hana Hayau Le Ahudo Mashlam.
thank you, and what a wonderful song that was. Behold our God. God is great because he's God. And uh, I want to talk to you today a little bit about uh, God's greatest verse in the Bible. This is my opinion, not uh, somebody else's. But I believe the greatest verse in the Bible, and there are 31,000 of them. There are 1,889 chapters. There are 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. But I want to talk today what I believe to be the greatest verse in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 3.16. We'll read it momentarily. I want you to see it. I believe years ago, I remember watching the NFL football games with my dad. And we would look through the goalposts and see a guy with different color hand, hair. And he was holding up a sign that would say, John 3.16. I remember seeing that and asking my dad. My dad would say, you know what? The fellow's doing the best he can to let people know about the greatest verse in the Bible. I hope someone will look at that and read it. Years later, I remember 2008, when the Florida Gators, the University of Florida, won the national championship under the direction of Urban Meyer and then their quarterback, Tim Tebow. He began the season to put under his little eye guard there different verses. I think they went with Philippians 4.13 for a while. But for the national championship game, he put on there John 3.16, a Bible verse. He was an outspoken Christian. And as a result of that, the cameras looked into his face and people saw John 3.16. And 94 million people Googled that verse, trying to see what it says. I'm glad God put it in the Bible. I think it's the greatest verse in the Bible. It's not a hard verse. It's a simple verse. I think only three words have more than two syllables. It's uh, really very elementary simple, but it is internally securing. It's a great verse that secures my heart and encourages me. But I also believe it is everlastingly significant. You need to know what it says. Can you read it with me, if you would, please? We'll read it and then pray together, can we? The Bible says in John 3, 16, read it with me out loud where you are, would you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to share with you why I believe that is the greatest verse in the Bible. Let's pray together, can we, please? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share these truths today. I'm very thankful for the Bible, and I'm thankful that you shared with us something very simple. A second grader could read this verse. Lord, everybody, young and old, needs to understand its truth. Would you please help me to share it in a special way on this special day? In Jesus' name, amen. Why is John 3, 16 the greatest verse in the Bible? I want to share with you why I think it is. Number one, it contains the greatest person in the universe. Let's look at it again real quickly. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. God. The first major word represents the greatest person. Why is God so great? Well, the Bible tells us he's great throughout the scriptures, but there are many reasons why he's great. Why? Because he's the creator. He made something out of nothing, and you are included in that. Everything that we see is made by a creator, God. He's the sustainer. He sustains the oxygen you take into your lungs and the sunshine that you feel in your cheek. 
the food supply of the world. He is a sustainer of all photosynthesis. He's a sustainer of all that takes place. He's great because he's a creator. He's a sustainer. I would say he's great because he's the ruler of the universe, because he's the greatest lover in the world. No one can love and care, and he's the only one that can do something about my sin nature and my sinful decisions. But he's also great because he's the judge. The Bible tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to him. He's the God of all the universe. John 3.16 is the greatest verse because it contains the greatest person. Number two, John 3.16 is the greatest verse because it contains, I think, an expression of the greatest love. It says, for God so loved the world. That word so is just a two-letter word, but it, it explains the greatness of this love. It was like it's so, so. You don't even know where to stop with that. And God loves you, friend. From the very first time that the devil opens his big mouth in the Bible, he does so to Eve, challenging Eve that God doesn't love her, that God doesn't care about her. And that lie has been propagated many times throughout humanity. Maybe you've believed the lie, that God may love some people, but he doesn't love me. Oh, he loves me and he loves you. He loves you. He says, this verse is the greatest verse because it contains the greatest person, God. It contains the greatest love. He says in Jeremiah 31, in verse number 3, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God loves you. Why is John 3.16 so great? It's great because it has the greatest person, God. It has the greatest love demonstrated in the word so. But may I say also the third thing that comes to my mind as we look at this verse it says, for God so loved the world. It has the greatest mass of people ever loved. Now, I love people. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my friends, my co-laborers. I love my mom. I love my siblings. God said, I so love the whole world. Everybody. The young, the old, the rich, the poor. The, the, those who have a, a certain ethnic background, he loves everybody. He's not looking at the pigment of your skin to decide if he loves you. He loves you. The greatest mass of people ever loved is recorded in this verse, John 3, 16. The Bible tells us the greatest person, God, demonstrated the greatest love. He so loved. And he loved the greatest mass of people ever loved. That's the world. He tells us in 1 John 2, 2, that he's not just the propitiation for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth in 1 Timothy chapter 2. You're no exception. I'm no exception. He loves us, and he loves the greatest mass of people ever loved the world. The next thing I want to share with you, if we look back on the verse, the Bible tells us for God, so loved the world that he gave. Gave is the word I want you to notice there. It's the greatest gift, is the greatest sacrifice. I can't imagine giving my child. But God will demonstrate that in the next concept on his son. But the greatest sacrifice ever given. Amy Carmichael said this, 
She said that you can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. God demonstrated his love by giving. He gave. He, he, we see the greatest sacrifice in this passage of Scripture. The greatest love was demonstrated by the greatest sacrifice. Even the word charity in the Bible indicates that it's giving. So the greatest verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, shares with us the greatest person, the greatest love, the greatest sacrifice, and then the greatest gift. I told you earlier it has 26 words in it. The middle word is the word son. And that son represents the person of Jesus Christ. Friend, the Bible tells us the greatest gift is Jesus. Jesus is the greatest gift. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he reminds us that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I believe that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But the Bible tells us that God made his son Jesus, who didn't have any sin, to be sin for you and I so we could be made the righteousness of God in him. Look up here real quickly. I want you to understand, friend, what you and I need desperately is found in this verse, and that is righteousness. You've got to have it. You cannot stand before God one day in your sin. I don't want to stand before God in my sin, and I'm not. I need the righteousness of God. Friend, the righteousness of God is Jesus. My name is Anish Ankem, and uh, uh, want to want to share with you all of what the Lord did in my heart. I was raised a Hindu in India. I didn't know much about Christ or Christianity. Yeah. Eventually, I, I ended up in Hammond, Indiana. A, a year later, in, in the same month, in March 2018, something really traumatic happened. I was going through a really difficult situation. And well, basically, it was I, I was I was hurt over a relationship, and that uh, led me to really fall into sin. And that was a trial of my life. I was in a really dark place, and uh, it, it was all it was all darkness. I was just falling into into a into a deep pit, and uh, I just. I, uh, I I prayed to God, just God in general, to to show me the way. Two days later, I saw a flyer on my doorstep that said Easter, the greatest story ever told. It had a picture of a cross on it. I saw that the cross was it was like uh, the light in the darkness. Before I used to go to work, I used to look at that uh, door sign, and uh, that was like giving me hope. Following week, some missionaries came up knocking on my door. They were actually the Mormon missionaries. I didn't know any different. I thought everything was the same. On their badges, I saw the words uh, uh, Jesus Christ on it. And uh, they came by again the next week and invited me to come to their place. I started going there for almost a month. Like the whole month, they, they, were, they just mentioned Jesus two times. And uh, uh, that didn't feel right. And something was telling me that there is more to this than what they were telling me. The whole month, uh, I was going to the uh, every Saturday I was going to the Hindu temples, and uh, Sunday I was going to the Mormon place. Nothing was helping. 
I had this heaviness on me, this heavy burden. And uh, the temple story was like, uh, I had to do this, I had to go down. It was like, do, do, do. And it was like a heaviness, a heavy burden. And uh, I didn't see any way out. And then I heard the Lord say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That, that's when I really turned towards Jesus and I knew that Jesus is the answer. I felt the Lord's presence like I knew that he, he was trying to reach me. Uh, I had an older roommate who used to go to First Baptist. He told me before he left, well, if you ever want to go to a good church, that's a good place to go. The next day I, I uh, walked into church. That was the first service I heard them talk about Jesus. It was very refreshing. I felt I was drowning and that was like breathing air. And I heard the song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because He Lives, All Fear Is Gone. Because He Lives, and because He Holds My Future. And life is worth the living just because He lives. And I was crying and I didn't really, the whole process, I knew that, you know, I was, I was desperate and I knew that the, that Jesus would take care of me. He would help me. And, and when I, and during the service, I knew that the Lord was here, that Jesus was here. And after the service, uh, uh, I got to talk to pastor, uh, in the, uh, waiting hall and, uh, Pastor shared the gospel message to me that how uh, we are all sinners and uh, uh, the punishment, the wages of sin is death and that is eternal separation from God and how Jesus died for my sins and he, he rose from the dead. God commended his love towards us that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was new for me, like I, I knew that Jesus died, but I didn't realize he died for me. And and uh, I understood Jesus died for me then. Jesus died for my sins. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I was, I was tired, I was worn out, I was broken. And I just wanted the burden, I wanted the wanted relief and the Lord said I remember, heard, uh, remember the words come unto me all ye that labor and I will give you rest and the Lord was ready to take away my burden of sin if I was willing to let him do it I said yes I accepted the Lord as my savior and the blood he shed for me was applied to me and after that all I remember was I knew that Jesus was with me and I guess that made the whole difference. And uh, I knew that I was going to heaven after I died. <laughs> I'm, and I'm so glad I found the greatest story ever told. And that story is Jesus. We have.
told, the greatest story ever told was Jesus, and I'm glad you got to hear the story of my friend Anish. I love this passage of Scripture. Oh, it shares with us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, telling us the greatest person, the greatest love that a man or a woman could ever experience, the greatest mass of people that could be loved, whether you're in Africa or in Asia or in India or you're in the Middle East or you're in South America or Central America or right here in the United States of America or Canada or Mexico, God loves you. You're in that mass of people that God loves so dearly. Then we find that God has given us the greatest sacrifice in his son, Jesus Christ. Let me say, friend, the next word is just as important. I know the word Jesus and the Son is important, but I like this next word. Let's look in the verse again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that, do you see it there? Whosoever. It's the greatest inclusion. That included you. It included me. God loves us. And he has given us the greatest inclusion. Anyone can be saved. The Bible's very clear in the first Peter chapter 3, in verse number 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any boy, girl, mom, dad, lady, man, any would perish, but would have everlasting life. God wants us to be saved. He's offered it to anyone. No one is too wicked they cannot be saved. God can save you to the uttermost that would believe on him. No one is too far from God. He is not far from any one of us, he tells us. Everyone can be saved. I love that word, whosoever, because it represents the greatest inclusion ever offered. Let's look at the next thing real quickly, if we can, please. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. This is the greatest option. Believeth. Whosoever believeth. You know, God made it easy to have forgiveness of sin. God made it easy because he did all the work. But he does require belief. He requires faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must first believe that he is, that he is who he said he was. He is the Savior. He is the lover of mankind. He did provide salvation through his son. Jesus, the innocent, dying for us, the guilty. But we must believe on that. We must believe on him. Only he can give us eternal life. That's a great option. Now, there are other options out there. There are the options of work. If I had to earn my way to heaven, <laughs> that would be awful difficult. My friend, you can earn your way to heaven. If you and I could earn our way to heaven, then why would Jesus have to die on the cross for our sins? No, the secret of eternal life is to learn that it cannot be earned. The Bible's very clear. It's not to him that worketh. It's to him that worketh not, but him that believeth on Jesus. That's how justification, freedom from sin, eternal life is given by faith. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Friend, don't let anyone tell you, if you're going to go to heaven, you have to be baptized. No, that's a work. That's, that won't do it. Don't let someone tell you you've got to live a good life. That's how you go to heaven. No, that's works. That's an option that God cannot accept. He only accepts faith, believing in Jesus Christ. The greatest option could be afforded to mankind. There's nothing we can do to earn eternal life. We must believe that Jesus has earned it for us. The Bible's very clear. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, that gift is made possible by faith. Oh, why is John 3.16 the greatest verse in the Bible? Because it has the greatest person, the greatest love. It has the greatest sacrifice, the greatest gift in the person of Jesus Christ, the greatest inclusion, and the greatest option. There's two more words I want you to see. Can we go back to the verse? Will you look at it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Perish means to die. It's a Bible word. Sometimes when there is a plane crash or an ocean vessel that goes down, people ask, how many perished? It means how many died? How many will be separated from their family? How many will be separated from their body? And the Bible's very clear, there's two deaths. It's the greatest escape. You don't have to die eternally. Can I go back to say to you once again, the Bible's very clear. He says there's two deaths. One is a physical death. That's when I'm separated from my body and separated from my loved ones. Most of us have experienced that in our life with someone in our lives that we loved or loved us that now they're passed away. They've died once. In the Bible, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible tells us that's appointed a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Well, everybody has to die once, and you'll want to die if you're 116 years old. You'll want to leave that body. But friend, the second death is far more serious because it's eternal. In the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says this, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Friend, the Bible's very clear. I wish I had another option to tell you. The Bible's very clear that there is a second death. There's one death that's physical. There's a second death that's eternal, and it means to be separated forever from a God who did not want it that way. God does not want you to perish. That's why he gave his only begotten son. That so whosoever, the greatest inclusion, would believe the greatest and the easiest option, would not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 tells us the greatest escape from the worst place anyone could ever be forever in the lake of fire. But there's one more concluding word in this verse. 
Would you read it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, read it with me, everlasting life. This is the greatest eternity. Dear friend, I am so thankful for John 3.16 because it tells us the greatest person provided the greatest love, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest gift in the person of Jesus Christ, the greatest inclusion anyone could accept it. The greatest option, it's accessed by faith. To avoid the greatest punishment, perishing without God forever, it's the greatest escape. And it leads us to the greatest eternity. Several things about God you need to know that don't change. God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. And the way of salvation doesn't change. The Bible's very clear. The book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12. He that hath the Son hath everlasting life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life but the wrath of God abideth on him. Dear friend, do you have the Son? If you have the gift of eternal life, then you have, if you have Jesus, you have the gift of eternal life. You need to have it. It's a necessity. Because we will go either into eternity with our sin and perish forever separated from God or with God's Son and forever living with God in this term called everlasting life. I want you to hear some testimonies of friends that sometime, someplace, they accepted the gift, the greatest gift of the person of Jesus Christ. When I was 10 years old. When I was nine years old. When I was a 12 year old girl. I was 23. As an eight year old boy. I was nine years old. I was five. And when I was eight years old. On a Sunday night, and the preacher was preaching on the second coming of Jesus. I was so scared because I knew I was not saved. You know, all through my little five years, I, ha I don't remember any part of getting saved. I was brought up Catholic, and at that point of my adult life, wasn't attending church at all. And my husband's family was members of First Baptist, and at that point, he wasn't attending church regularly either. Um, so that night of April Fool's Day, we were driving around running errands, and we decided to stop by his parents' house in Hammond, where we were at, to say hi. Our family was just falling apart because of the problems that sin had brought with drinking, drugs, immorality. And my cousins invited me to their vacation Bible school. I was sitting in church one Sunday morning, and I realized that I was a sinner and condemned to spend eternity without God. I was raised in Chicago by a single grandmother. As a result of that, I began to participate in gangs and other illegal activity. After being in that lifestyle for a while, I began to notice that there was no satisfaction and plenty of trouble. Well, we came to the house and his dad was sitting on the couch and we sat down and he asked me if I knew for 100% sure that I would go to heaven when I died. And at that time, I did not. So out there on the couch, he showed me the Bible verses of how I can go to heaven. During the invitation, my nine-year-old's prideful self did not want to go forward. But that night when I got home, the Holy Spirit kept convicting me. The second day, I talked to a lady who shared with me how I could be assured of a home in heaven. As she talked, I realized it wasn't by me being good enough. It was by me accepting Christ as my Savior. And so I asked her if I could get saved. 
like go get the Bible and go on the couch somewhere. Yeah, and that that's all that happened. Even though I was a child, I knew immediately that my life was no longer meaningless, but God had given me a purpose. I went to my dad and I told him I was not saved. I remember sitting with my family around the kitchen table as my dad explained the plan of salvation and I trusted Christ as my savior. And I've been saved ever since. She led me to the Lord. And that day I got saved. After the service, I went to the front. My father met me, showed me some things from the Bible, and that day I trusted Christ as my Savior. I can remember my house burning to the ground and asking God what did he have for me in life. And after watching a preacher one evening uh, on television give the gospel, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And because of that, I have the opportunity to serve the Lord with my beautiful family. Dear friends, you just heard the testimonies of people who came to know Jesus as their Savior. Can I ask you, do you have a testimony? Do you have a time when you put your faith in Jesus Christ? I think everybody in heaven is going to go back to a time and a place and a person when they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to make sure you have a time like that. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Everybody needs two days, but the first day that's most important is the day of salvation. Dear friend, if you said to me, I want that accepted time. I want to be saved. Let me share with you how you can be saved. Number one, you'll need to believe that you're a sinner and you can't go to heaven in your state. You need Jesus. The Bible's very clear. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. We had to pay for our own sin. We had to be separated from God forever. And that means the lake of fire as our eternal home. God doesn't want that. But we need to believe that we're sinners and the price of sin is to be separated from God forever. The number three is that Jesus on the cross did all that was needed to be done so you could be saved. When he died, when he was buried, when he rose again. The Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's the opposite of eternal death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friend, God loves you. He loves me. We're sinners. We deserve to be separated from him. He made a way. Jesus, God's son, was separated from his father so you and I wouldn't have to be. And now we need to believe that and ask him to save us. The Bible's very clear and Romans chapter 10 and verse number 10, he says, With the heart a man believeth unto righteousness. He believes that only the righteousness of Jesus can save him. And with his mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friend, are you saved? If you're not saved, you could be saved right now by believing what I just shared with you and then asking God to save you. Let's pray together, can we please? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, right where you are, if you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need the testimony of a place and a time and a person when I believe and receive Jesus. Make that right now. From your heart and with your mouth, would you say to the Lord, Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to be separated from you forever in the lake of fire. 
But I believe that Jesus died for me. He was buried and he rose again so I could be saved. God, I accept your gift of eternal life. I put my faith in your son. If you prayed that right now, I think you can also say to God, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Because when a heart believes and a mouth confesses, we become God's child. It's the greatest day of a person's life. And I congratulate you. If you prayed that prayer just now, could I encourage you to call us, the number on your screen, at 219-932-0711. Once again, 219-932-0711. Let us help you. Let us give you some materials that will help you grow in Jesus. The greatest day in someone's life is the miracle of a moment when they accept Jesus, your Savior. And then we get to grow in Jesus, to get to know our Heavenly Father from then on. Salvation's a miracle of a moment. Sanctification and growing in the Lord is a process of a lifetime. I pray that God will help you grow in the Lord. Please contact us. We want to help you. And we congratulate you on this very special day if you accepted Jesus as your Savior.